As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You got problems that you ought to be concerned with. Hoorah! You don't know how you're supposed to earn it, or what to do with it, or how to keep it. You're a freak with a dark, shameful secret. But you're not the only one. Get your hidden financial fears with a blast of sun. Now your healing has begun. It's Bad With Money with Gabby Dunn. Hello, and welcome to this week's Bad With Money mailbag episode. This is a show about finances and feelings where we don't talk down to you. I'm Gabby Dunn. This week, I am joined by Mal Blum to react and respond to your messages and emails. Mal is a musician and my fiance. Let's get into it. Maracas! It's not a maraca. It's just a shaker. A maraca is a different instrument. Can't tell me nothing. Okay. On today's show, I'm going to read an email from Allison about our guest Stephanie Lee of The Boring Episode, one from Canada about transition costs, one from Carrie about hysterectomies, and one from Asa about the spreadsheet they made for their transition expenses. Plus, Nate writes in from Germany about a similar topic. In the second half of the show, I'm going to read and listen to a voicemail from Cass that is about detransitioning, but not in a turf way. So trigger warning for that. I think mm. it's really well done, and it's a really good message, but... If you that's not your bag, baby, trigger warning. Then there's an email from Jude with a thank you, an email about a non-binary student, and one from Sammy in Australia. It's a very trans episode. Here's an email from Allison. Hi, Gabby. I've been listening since the first episode, but I've never written in. I'm behind on episodes, and I just listened to the one with Stephanie Lee. I wanted to say how much I appreciate this advice. It may be boring, but it's extremely useful. Sometimes in recent episode seasons, the topics have become more high level and intricate. I'm still working my way through bettering my finances, and I can't tell you how much you and this podcast have helped me, but the basics are still so helpful. Just want to say my credit score was about 520, and now it's about 670, and I'm so proud of that. You really helped. I understand investing and houses are real things people want to get into, but those are definitely not realities for me now, if ever. I'm focused on savings, paying down debt, affording food. I just spend a lot on takeout and retirement. I want to be able to treat myself while preparing for the future, but I honestly can't say I see myself buying a house, maybe a condo if I can get there. I don't want to live desperately is what I'm trying to say. I want to do more than survive. And you've really helped me make those moves. Thanks for everything, Allison Sheehy. I found out the other day that um, some people think that when you're putting money into like, for example, a Fidelity like Roth IRA Mm -hmm. or whatever, um, Mm -hmm. that it is automatically investing it for you. Uh It's not. When you're depositing Uh money, (laughs) 
when you're depositing, some people think that when you deposit the money in those accounts, like it's autumn, it's not, you have to then go and like pick the investment. So it's just like in, it's just waiting for you in your account. It's not doing anything. Just, just so you know, if you didn't know that now, you know that I didn't realize people thought that I think probably I thought that at one point, but I saw something the other day, someone being like, did you know this? And it's like, more people should know that. Please. Oh my God. Stamp that on my forehead. Okay. Oh, I don't think you should stamp it on your forehead. <laughs> Very important. Go check if you actually have your money invested. My God. Okay. You see that every time you look in the mirror? Well, it would be good for me to know. <laughs> okay. And it wouldn't be for me to see it because if I had it stamped on my forehead, it would look backwards to me in the mirror. It would really be mostly for other people to see. T-shirt. I'm a hero. You just wear a t-shirt. A t-shirt. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This is an email from Jude. Thank you. Dear Gabby and Mal, I wrote in a few weeks ago about the problem with disability and finances and such, and you read my email on the air. Mm. I signed it as Jude, a name I'm trying out, and hearing you read and respond to my letter was the first time I'd heard anyone address me as Jude. I uh-huh. mean, people have typed it before, but it's not quite the same. I felt so many emotions, I'm not sure I could even identify when you called me Jude. And it made me feel like, yes, this is the name for me. It'll be a bit yet, but I'm going to tell my therapist that's what I want to be addressed as, and eventually I'll tell my family and hopefully complete some legal documents eventually. I wish I could express how much your simple action meant to me. Thank you. Sincerely, Jude. That's nice. Yeah, sometimes you don't know. Jude, 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 Jude. Hey, Jude. (laughs) Don't make it bad. Does that help? I'll say it more times. Jude, 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 Jude. Oh, no, you you have to finish it. You can't just say the first part over and over because it sounds weird. Dude. No, but if you Nicole don't finish, if you, okay. If you don't say the D E, you see what I'm saying? Jude, I am saying Jude. I know, but when you say it fast in rapid succession, it cuts it up. Never mind. It doesn't matter. Anyway, yeah, sometimes when you sometimes you don't know what's right until you hear it and then you feel that it's right. Defo. <laughs> well, congrats, Jude. Jude for president. Okay. Wow. Here is an email from Anonymous. Hi, Gabby, and hopefully Mal. I need your (laughs) advice as... (laughs) I need your advice as fellow members of the Alphabet Mafia. I'm a singer-actor who also teaches private voice lessons on the side. However, I've never felt like a good teacher. Imposter syndrome sucks. So a couple years ago, I stopped taking on new students and have gradually phased out my current students. However, one of my remaining students is an autistic non-binary junior in high school with conservative parents. I hesitate to stop teaching them because I know I'm one of the only adults in my student's life who can be a truly safe space to discuss their queerness. They're out to their mom, who is no longer openly negative, but still thinks it's all just a phase. They are not out to dad, who threw a fit at the thought of my student cutting their hair short for the school musical. Mom Mm. was at least willing to buy sports bras for my student, but then never got around to actually buying any. So all to say, my student recently was able to save up some birthday gift money to purchase a binder. A friend with supportive parents ordered it online and had it delivered to that friend's house. They Mm -hmm. keep it in their locker at school and change into it when they arrive and then back out of it when they leave. As a cis woman, I know that only owning one bra is impractical. So I assume that's true for trans non-binary people with binders. I want to help my student Mm -hmm. acquire a second binder, but I'm hesitant about how to do so knowing how the parents could react. I thought about ordering it for them, but I don't know their size or preference. Or maybe Mm. I could give them money inside of a Christmas card and make sure they don't open it with their parents around. 
Working mm. in entertainment, I know if I mentioned this to my coworkers, I'd have a couple of people wanting to donate to help as well. But I just worry about the general safety of my student if the parents were to find out and then stop me from teaching them. Is all of this me overstepping and I should just stick to being a supportive teacher? What are your thoughts? Ooh. Thank you. Damn, that's difficult because I can see it through both sides. You know, I can see it from like being a trans kid and then I can also see it from um, having a guitar teacher when I was 14 who was like emotionally appropriate, inappropriate with me. So right. <laughs> I don't, I don't, right. it's like hard to, it's hard to know, you know, it's hard to know. But I feel like giving him, give, giving them the money, and being like, and giving, and just being Christmas like, this is gift. for, yeah, you whatever have like you plausible want. deniability. Yeah. Also, like, yeah, it seems like they have a friend who's willing to buy them the binder. You know, it, it would be one thing if it's like you're their only lifeline. You know, right, right. But if right. it's, you know, if you're giving them a gift and and they can get their friend to do it, like, I feel like, you know, being. I feel like there's a really fine line between being supportive and like inserting yourself. Right. You know, yeah. And like, unless the kid has like identified something to you of, as to, as to like needing your help, especially, I mean, I don't know if they are like a quite a direct communicator, which, you know, I know sometimes people on the autism spectrum are, and they haven't communicated to you that they would like your help. Um, right. I, I, I would not, I would not, ask your coworkers or like, right. you know what I mean? It like I wouldn't complicated. I think, I think you should give them money for Christmas mm -hmm. and just be like, this is for whatever you want. Wink, wink and give it to them at the lesson. Maybe like in the card, write a little link to a binder company. I don't know. Just like, don't give do them a no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Even giving them a gift. Uh, the parents might find unusual. The, fine, the parents minor. might find out. Yeah. I mean, <sighs> but I don't know. Maybe parents don't care because like, you know, my guitar teacher, like she would come give me guitar lessons at the house. And then, you know, she was like, come over to my house. And I went over there and my mom picked me up over there. So, like, <laughs> you know, maybe okay, the parents don't give a that's shit. Dark. That's dark, Mal. This person. No, has she recorded. Intentions. She recorded something for me. You know? Yeah. This person has pure intentions. Um, yes. If yeah, anyone yeah. has other advice, please write in. I'm sure this is a relatable situation for a lot of teachers, but I do think maybe the money idea is the best way to go. Um, they're also a junior, so maybe they're like only a couple years away from being 18. So right. it's only, you know, I know two years seems like a lot, but they're almost free kind of. Can you talk to them like, or is it like the parents are there? No, I guess not. If they're telling you about their life, then presumably right. you have some privacy. So why don't you just right. ask them the best way to support them? Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. But I do think, especially even with like 16-year-olds, whatever, like I, I, I do think that it is you part of like supporting them and like caring for them is holding some boundaries in terms of like yes. how emotionally close you get in that way. Yes. Like, yes. like be there for them as a lifeline, be there as a safe person, um, you know, help, you, you can help them. You can't take this on. You can help them like insofar as like they want your help, but you can't um, like don't project things onto them. Correct. Don't, pro don't project a, a need to save them onto them if that's not what they're identifying, you know? Yes. Very good advice, Mel. Just been okay. on both sides. <sighs> This is a very trans episode. Okay. 
Hi, Gab. Longtime listener, first time writer, and I'm writing in response to the episode on transitioning. I'm a trans man who moved to Germany to be with my pandemic partner, LOL, truly the modern fairy tale. And now I'm looking into starting HRT here. In theory, I should be able to just schedule an appointment with the endocrinologist, but the reality is if I want the public health insurance that every German citizen has to cover for it, I have to get diagnosed by a psychiatrist who can then refer me after 6 to 12 months. Information can vary. The insurance would then take from 90% to the full cost of hormones. Again, information varies, and the doctor's appointments are covered in full. My current struggle is finding a therapist in my area who specializes in gender and can speak English. Since I couldn't possibly explain how much dysphoria affects me with my very small Deutsch vocabulary. I can only Mm. joke about how one cannot spell geschlacht, gender, without schlacht, bad, LOL. I'm saying all of this wrong. This situation is specifically annoying since my current therapist who's known me for years would have been able to refer me months ago in my homeland in which transitioning would also be possible to do with the free healthcare, but would mean I'd have to sit on a waiting list for months and years. No idea Ooh. how I'm even going to go about changing my name with the whole being an expat thing. Shrug emoji. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I understand that this might not be particularly useful info for a lot of your audience, but I wanted to share a perspective from two countries, one first world country and one not, that do provide state healthcare and yet make you pay for it with your patience and life energy. The grass is greener mm. nowhere, it seems. And on the note of clothing having no gender, I would like to reaffirm your point of view and say that while that might be true in theory, ignoring social dysphoria is in fact very invalidating and not helpful to trans people at all. Looking at you, well-meaning allies, wearing a wrong coat of pants will change how people treat me and it objectively affects my mental health. Feeling good in what you wear is only half the reason a gender-affirming wardrobe is necessary. Anyway, thanks for the reading and feel free to edit when necessary. You're an absolute queer icon and I hope more and more people can benefit from your self-made wisdom. All the love, Nate, he, they. P.S. Hi, Mal, if you're there today. I miss you saying into it along. I absolutely started doing that out loud because of you. (laughs) I try to catch it, but I never know when they're going to say it. They change the format every time. Um, I'm here to just switch things up. Keep it interesting. Gemini. It's interesting. Do Because they're like, oh, if you in the public, in like – You have to jump through all these bureaucratic hoops if you have, like, um, public health insurance. Mm -hmm. But kind of with private health insurance too, right? Like, have Mm -hmm. you ever been, like, have you ever had private health insurance and been, like, I have to find a new uh, OBGYN? Yeah, They're, like, we're booked up for the next four months, you know? (laughs) And you're, like, well, what if it's an emergency? And they're, like, well, are you you an existing patient? Is it an emergency? And you're, like, no. Well, they're like, Is are it? you an existing patient? If you're an existing patient, then if it's an emergency, they'll get you in. But if you're not, they're like, well, sorry, too bad, so sad for you. You know? Right. Maybe it's worse. I don't know. But I don't think it's better with private insurance. <laughs> I also, uh, I've never thought about having to find a therapist who speaks English and who is good with gender. And Can you bring your partner or a translator? Ooh, a translator. Interesting. Well, like, I know in America, like, you can request that in some medical settings. But mm-hmm. um, in your case, I'm wondering if y- it would be easier just to ask if you can bring your partner to help translate for you if you sign a release, you know, if you sign a release form. Yeah. Also, how bad was my German? Let me know. Um, I think okay. it's pronounced Schlest, right? Schlest. Like, ich bin Schlest. Schlest. We're going to get raked over the coals again because we just constantly are. Well, 
You know what I say to that? What? Ausgezeichnet, baby. What's that? Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this person breaks it down Canadian style. Hi, Gabby. With With some flat flat bacon and some... (laughs) Break it down Montreal Canadian style Ma- with with a with an axe, and you just and you do it at an angle. Is that and what it maple is? Maple syrup comes flourishing out of the tree. Okay. Hi, Gabby. Sap. I'm you Harper. He him. It is sap. It's not maple syrup. Whatever. You, you have to boil it down in the sugar shack. The sugar shack, my new band. Okay. Hi, Gabby. <laughs> I'm Harper. He him, and I'm a binary trans guy from British Columbia, Canada. I found it fascinating to listen to other people's anecdotes about the cost of transition and wanted to pitch in. No pressure to read this on the pod in part or in full, but I thought it would be interesting to provide a Canadian perspective, specifically British Columbian, since all the Mm. province and territories policy on trans care are different. BC is known to be that. I know, I didn't know that either. BC is known to be a pretty progressive province for reference, and all dollar amounts are in Canadian dollars. I've divided this lengthy email into sections so you can just read the topics you have an interest in and add definitions for the two acronyms I use throughout it at the end. Hormones. Doctors' visits and blood tests are already covered by our Provincial Medical Service Plan, MSP. So going on hormone replacement therapy is relatively inexpensive. Our province has an informed consent model, so you simply have to go to a doctor who is comfortable going through these steps with you. HRT Mm. is not covered by MSP, so injectable testosterone is about $60 per vial, two to three months of tea, out of pocket, Mm. unless you can get it covered by your own insurance or under special authorization from the provincial government. You can also get gel, the patch, or oral testosterone, all of which costs about $130 per month out of pocket. Bro, they got oral testosterone over there? We don't got oral testosterone, do we? I never heard of that. I know about oral estrogen. I know, but I never heard of oral testosterone. Maybe it's just drinking the gel. Okay. No, you can't do do that. that. Don't do that. I'm just kidding. I personally pay about $14 per vial under my insurance, so $65 annually. Mm. Top surgery. For top surgery, most of the costs are covered as well. You do require what's called a surgery readiness assessment, which is similar to an informed consent process where they talk about your trans history, ask Mm. about your expectations of top surgery, and go over the different surgeries and their risks. That is free if you find a qualified assessor funded by MSP. Otherwise, you have to pay out of pocket for a psychiatrist. My friend was quoted $800 for four sessions. After that, your reference is forwarded and you're put on the provincial top surgery wait list. From there, you get a call to choose your surgeon and they are put on the surgeon's wait list. Most surgeons are in lower mainland, think Vancouver area. So travel costs are something to consider if you're up north. In BC, you cannot pay privately for top surgery in province, though you can go to a different province or country and pay out of pocket. That's weird. Interesting. Huh. They don't have a market for like private top surgery or I would guess private elective surgery at yeah. all then. Right. Or is it just top? I surgery? don't know. <laughs> the only other cost for the procedure are the pain meds, maybe $30 for after surgery and the surgery vest around $60. Additional mm. liposuction is not included and can be up to $5,000 out of pocket, depending on what you want done what? or who your surgeon is. That's crazy. Wait, you mean of liposuction another- of the chest area or additional liposuction like of your like hips and flanks, I wonder? I don't know. Of the chest area should not be $5,000, but I don't know. I agree. I agree. You're already under and everything. <laughs> additional $5,000? Come on. No, 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 no. I think it's if you, uh, like the guy I'm dating had to go back and get some some more tissue taken out from his top That's surgery. A- like, 
That should be considered a revision and that should be exactly. covered under the surgeon. Yeah, and it was. But not apparently, maybe not in Canada. When I got my top surgery, they were like, we could do your hips and stuff and it would be an additional 3000 which I think is sort of like 5000 Canadian, right? Don't let them touch your ass. Absolutely. Well, I Don't said let no, them take anything out of it. that ass, Mal. I regret saying no, but I was like, it's 3000 extra dollars. I don't got that right now, but like now to go back and get it done, it would be way more, so... If they even Dude. take one inch of fat out of that ass, Mal. What are you going to do? I'm going to sue them. <laughs> okay. Of course, another cost is lost wages. <laughs> I had part-time jobs in the service industry and at my university at the time and took four weeks off with no pay to recover. The whole process from my readiness assessment to surgery took just over a year and I felt fully functional by two months post-op. Lower surgeries in general. I have not gotten any lower surgeries yet, hysterectomy and fallow meta, so I don't know any of the hidden costs, but up front, they are both fully covered by MSP. For all lower surgeries, you again need to get a readiness assessment done by a qualified assessor or psychiatrist, so the potential cost of a psychiatrist is one to keep in mind. Mm. Hysterectomy and bilateral salpingo-ophorectomy. I really got to learn how to say this. Other than drugs and lost wages, I am not aware of any other hidden costs for this surgery. Unlike top surgery and bottom surgery, there's no centralized list for this, and you just have to get referred to a surgeon or gyno that will do this for you after your readiness assessment. The wait lists are about a year long for a consult. I'm almost at a year crossing my fingers. And then you get surgery when they can fit you in. It's a four to six week recovery, so those are wages you may lose. Bottom surgery. Recently, the province has started offering phalloplasty, metoidoplasty, and vaginoplasty in province. Previously, you had to get bottom surgery in Quebec, or if you could convince the government why you can't get what you want in Quebec, they would pay for your surgery elsewhere, usually in America. Now there is a centralized mm. waiting list for bottom surgeries in BC, and this is the only way to get the surgery covered. There is only one team located in Vancouver that does this, so travel costs are a concern for those not from the area. The waitlist itself is about two to three years for a consult. And then Yikes. requires two to three surgeries, all of which takes six to eight weeks of recovery before you can resume normal activities. Additionally, the complication rate is high, especially if you get urethral lengthening. So you may mm. have to get more surgeries if a complication does arrive. Whoa. Yeah. That is a thing. Lost wages are a huge consideration as well as the cost of care post-surgery. Most get family or loved ones to take care of them, but I've met someone who paid to stay in a care facility in the States where he could get professional help while staying close to his surgeon. Drugs are another cost to consider as you most likely have to get painkillers, muscle relaxants, antispasm and anti-nausea meds, and stool softeners to name a few. You also have to get hair removal, electrolysis recommended, in the case of phalloplasty and vaginoplasty, which is an out-of-pocket cost. Holy crap. Legal transition. Honestly, this is the one that has cost me the most so far, and I actually have the exact numbers on this one. It cost $82 to notarize my documents, $77.50 to do electronic fingerprinting and a criminal record check, $137 to submit and process the name change application, and $17 to change the name and gender marker on my provincial ID, driver's license, and healthcare card. I still have yet to change my info on my passport, social insurance card, and Canadian citizenship card, so I don't know the cost of those yet. Thanks if you read my email. I really appreciate your podcast, and it's always interesting to tune in every week. Cheers, Harper. Sick. Holy crap. So I guess in Canada, it's like, yeah, free. I guess what I'm learning on this episode of the podcast is like, 
the healthcare is free. You don't have to pay that much for your transition, but you just have to pay for it in time because you have to wait. My God, two to three years? You've been getting antsy to have to wait a couple months. I'm ridiculously antsy. I call and bother the top surgery people like once a week being like, is it ready? Is it ready? Is it ready? <laughs> I'm the most annoying person that this woman has to deal with and I don't care. If since I when call that and it's you? early one week, guess what? I'm glad I called. Yeah, since when, since when has that bothered you in your life? Being the most annoying person someone knows, it's never bothered me. Like, it's kind of looking like December, and I'm, like, so anxious that it won't be December. (sighs) Okay. Two to three years, that bumped for me so hard, I can't even imagine. Okay. Also, I didn't know that they would pay for you to come to America. I didn't either. Also, why Quebec? What do you mean, why Quebec? Like, why can you go, they they send you to Quebec? Um, It's like a major province, right? Yeah. Maybe they're like, Montreal, the land of the fancy free. Get whatever you want here. Well, there's probably more doctors in like- Yes, there are. (laughs) Montreal than there are in like, I don't know, New Brunswick. Is New Brunswick a city? That's in British Columbia, right? Look it up. Anyway, I'm just saying like there's probably probably a reason that they send people there. It's probably there's more more doctors and stuff there. I don't know. Is New Brunswick in Canada? I'm not a doctor or a Canadian. It is. It's in Canada. I got worried for a second. I was like, is it- is that in Delaware? We are so smart and yet so look, I was no, I educated knew that New in, Brunswick was in Canada. I was educated in Florida. Oh god. I don't know anything. Okay. Hi, Mal and Gabby. You asked in a recent mailbag for details on hysterectomy costs. I'm a cis female and needed a hysterectomy for six fibroids, including one almost the size of a grapefruit at age 40 this year. I don't know how useful this is since I am probably the best case scenario for costs. I have generous PTO and pay for the more expensive health insurance plan at my job, so I had fairly low out-of-pocket costs. Mm. My hospital copay for the pre-op testing and surgery was $50. Also, my OBGYN billed the pre-op consultation, the surgery, and the post-op as a group, so I basically paid $160 copay for her office instead of $25 for each. Yes, it is a separate charge for the doctor's office and for the hospital, which surprised me. Due to the size and thickness of the fibroids, they were Mm. not able to operate laparoscopically, so I was cut open from hip to hip about seven inches, which required a longer recovery time. Holy shit, Carrie. Okay, you're badass. I was originally written out of work for four weeks, but it was extended to five weeks since I was not healing as well as expected. Again, I am the best case scenario and I've been with my employer for 12 years and had three weeks of sick time. Have you been using Mint to manage your finances? First, the bad news. Mint is shutting down. Now, good news. There's a better alternative. Monarch Money. Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it. That's right. I use Mint and now I'm using Monarch Money. It is very stressful, confusing and time consuming to manage my finances. I've tried other finance apps. They don't really work. Like, you know, I was very committed to Mint and then I was uh, deeply sad when Mint went away. But now I have tried Monarch. It's so easy to use with powerful features, collaboration tools, intuitive design, personalization, constant product improvements. I mean, I really value a company that is proactively looking at how to make finances easier. Did you know that money issues are a leading cause of divorce? Monarch, the top rated personal finance app, also has built-in collaboration features so that you can invite your partner at no extra cost. Can you imagine being able to have a budget app with your partner? That is wild. You can see all your finances, you can collaborate on your budget, you can get insights on your cash flow and reoccurring transactions. It's a very easy way to manage a household's finances. 
Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash badmoney. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all your tags and categories. Monarch is the most customizable budget app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. We will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash badmoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y slash badmoney for your extended 30-day free trial. Your business was humming, but now you're falling behind. Teams buried in manual work, taking forever to close the books. Getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, you should know these numbers. 37,025-1. 37,000. That's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs, key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow, all in one place. If you have all the information about your business in one place, you can make way better decisions. And this is an unprecedented offer, meaning this is totally worth your time. As someone who runs a business, having all of this together in order to close my books, that would be invaluable. It's a time saver. It's literally the biggest time saver. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. That's netsuite.com slash badwithmoney to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because when I'm looking to work with someone, I really need to be able to get someone fast. My job works very fast. Podcasts work very fast. And I've actually been looking for an assistant and I don't need to waste time sorting through matches without getting the highest quality person, right? When I'm looking to hire someone, whether that's a grant writer or a musician or something like that, it's very overwhelming because you get a lot of messages, but you're not able to like parse through yourself which ones are actually worth looking at. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash badwithmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash badwithmoney right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash badwithmoney terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. We all know about that in my life and how hard that's been for me and also my listeners. You guys hear them talking about it on the mailbags. It is hard to manage finances with a partner. Putting away money for retirement, since I'm not going to be doing this podcast forever. Sorry, I guess I could, but retirement is huge for me. I am deeply focused on it right now and planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year. Taxes are a doozy and it's always changing. How do you know what to do? Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. And bank to support the short-term disability insurance I also have through work, which only pays sixty percent of your salaries after the first five days out of work. The sick time oh, covered through the your fir- work. Yeah. Uh, here I was thinking you had Aflac or something. Is that a, a promo for your dad? <laughs> no, it's not a promo. Your dad sells dad. Aflac. Anyway, <laughs> it's not a promo for my dad. Oh my he God. does sell Aflac. Yes, okay, I anyway. know, but that's this- how I know about short-term like disability plans and stuff. Yeah. Because he, he's always talking about him. He's always on his phone, wheeling and dealing. Okay. Wheeling and dealing. The sick hey, time covered nobody the first- plans, oh Nobody plans to be in an accident. He says that. The sick time <laughs> covered the first week and the remaining 40% and was paid directly from my employer. And I had four weeks of PTO saved as well in case the sick time ran out. So I was able to get fully paid between the two. The short-term disability did take about five weeks to start sending checks and sent them for two weeks at a time. So there was a time when I was only getting partial checks. However, again, I was best case scenario and had savings to hold me over. My husband took over all the housework and my sister came and helped frequently and made some meals since he is a terrible cook, even with meal kits like HelloFresh. My friend sent DoorDash and Grubhub gift cards. The ordering out was the biggest unexpected expense for me and would have been way worse without a husband and sister to help. Standing to cook was impossible for a couple weeks and uncomfortable for a while after that. My two dogs were also cared for by my husband, but without him, I would have had to board them since there was no way I could care for them for the first couple weeks and was limited in what I could do for the remaining three weeks. The boarding facility we have used in the past is $40 a night per dog, so it would have been at least $1,000 if I lived alone to make sure my dogs were cared for those first couple weeks. We don't have kids, but that would have been even more consideration if we did. Yeah, Carrie, you would have to board those kids. Just kidding. (laughs) 
Is there a it, version of that? No, no, I don't think there is. Sleepaway camp. Board, boarding school. It's in the name. Boarding it's boarding school. school. It's boarding school. Right, right, right. right. Okay. The hysterectomy was actually the second surgery within the calendar year for this. First, my doctor and insurance insisted they try the less invasive surgery first of removing the largest Mm. fibroid at the time. About three months after, the scan showed the six fibroids that they didn't take out had significantly grown after the surgery. The six other fibroids were like, thanks for making some room in here for us to grow. (laughs) Time to get bigger. (laughs) I paid all my copay costs twice to get the result I actually wanted, but that recovery was only five days. Again, I don't know how useful this is since I fully recognize I'm in a very fortunate position to have good health insurance, two incomes in my house, a partner to pick up all the housework, and a savings safety net. But literally, still hard. I know. But literally, any of those missing would have been a very different story for me. Thanks for the work you do on the show, Carrie Sheher. Holy crap, Carrie. Wow, Carrie. Holy crap. I'm so sorry that happened. Um, Wow. Okay. Are you ready for more numbers? Numbers? Yeah, numbers. Coming hat, coming at you hard, coming at you fast. What kind of numbers? I'll tell you. Hi, Gabby. Just listened to your episode on the cost of transitioning, and I wanted to share my spreadsheet that I have made to track the cost of my transition since 2019. Are you mm. a Capricorn? Anyway, I'm just asking. Okay. My name is Asa. I'm 23 years old, and I use they, he pronouns. Here's mm. my transitioning story. I came out as non-binary in 2018 and bought masculine clothes, a cost not reflected on my spreadsheet. In 2019, I came out as transmasculine and bought my first binder. I had a very large chest before top surgery, and I had a hard time finding a binder that worked for me. So I bought a few from different brands, spending $205 total. Packers bring my total spend on trans gear to $395. I had two consults and had top surgery with the second surgeon in NYC in June 2020. I hadn't fully paid my deductible by the time I got top surgery, so the surgery was more expensive than it would have been if I had. As Mm. you can see in my spreadsheet, I spent $1,268 on the surgery itself. I should note that I called my insurance four times before the surgery to find out how much it would cost, and each of the four numbers they gave me were different, and all of them Mm. were wrong. My scars became keloids after the surgery and needed additional treatments, each of which had a copay. I started on testosterone in January 2021. I started on the more expensive gel before switching to testosterone injections a month later. I am allergic to the oil in testosterone, so I peonate. Yeah. So I switched formulas, and the one I use currently comes in larger vials, so I don't have to fill it as often. My mm. insurance doesn't make me pay for lab work, but I do pay to see my endocrinologist. I have been on testosterone for close to two years and have paid $539 on related expenses. I changed my name legally to ASA in 2021. As you can see in the spreadsheet, the process took three months and cost $263 in NYC. It's not fully complete as I still need a new birth certificate. Even though the testosterone made my period go away, I was still dysphoric about the fact that I had the ability to get pregnant, so I got a hysterectomy with a surgeon in Boston. Hmm. The date of my surgery was June 24th, 2022, and I was in the OR getting my uterus removed when Roe v. Wade was overturned. Whoa, Whoa, yikes. Asa writes, Insurance covered it and I paid $605 for the procedure and related expenses. I had already paid my deductible by the time of the surgery. I have had a few different lower surgery consults and I plan on having first stage metoidioplasty in 2023. I'm not sure if my mom will feel comfortable caring for me after lower surgery Mm. as she had for my top surgery and hysterectomy. So in that case, I may pay for a T4T caregiver from www.t4tcaregiving.org. After oh, I didn't surgery. even know about that. That's I a didn't thing. know about that either. That's amazing. I have spent $185 on consults so far. 
I have spent $3,524 on my transition as of today. I don't plan on being on testosterone forever, and I currently plan to stop taking it by the end of 2023. So second stage metoidioplasty will be the final phase of my transition. Maybe at the end of 2023, I'll update you with the total cost of my transition. I would predict how much I will spend, but all the predictions I have made so far turned out to be wildly incorrect. I love the show. Sincerely, Asa. And then they sent me their spreadsheet. That's pretty awesome that they sent their their spreadsheet. It is so well done. Uh, I am really, (laughs) I'm really impressed. (laughs) Wow. I would be nervous to make myself one of those spreadsheets. I don't want to know. Right? It's kind of like, it's it's good to know, but it's also kind of a bummer. (laughs) Yeah. It's like. Wow. Well, Asa. I bow to you. I assume you're some sort of Capricorn or Virgo. and um, Or accountant. Or an accountant. Okay, here is an email from Sammy. Hey, Gabby. Sammy. I'm Sammy, he, him, cis, bi, boy. Longtime Ooh. fan of the pod. Been listening on and off since 2018. I really Sammy's love such your a podcast. cute name for a boy. Isn't it? It's really cute. Yeah. I really love your podcast and wish there was something like it for people outside the U.S. because I often find money podcasts in Australia, please don't do the accent, are all run by finance bros and girl bosses. Wow, Sammy. Wow. Did you hear that? Wait, what is it? Sammy wrote that they're in Australia. He's in Australia and then said, please don't do an accent. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) That's fair. Listen, when when, uh, I was supposed to tour in Australia like before – um, COVID and the people that were going to take me on tour were like, listen, either here are your two options. You don't do down under Mal at all, or you do it the whole time. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, I get it. I get it. Wow. It's like the cake scene in Matilda. Sammy, you've really shook me over here. Okay. Yeah. All I want now is to. to I know, but we can't. Sammy said no. I won't. And we respect your boundaries. Yeah. One of your listeners wrote into your episode on the cost of transitioning, mentioning how they found it really beneficial for their recovery to take six weeks off post op, which reminded me of something I was working on advocating for at my old job paid transition leave, also referred to as gender affirmation leave. The term is probably self-explanatory, but in practice, I've seen it generally means at least four weeks paid leave for someone who is trans to recover from surgery or spend time doing vocal work. In Australia, there's no automatic right to paid transition leave. However, leave entitlements can vary from employer to employer depending on company policy and the Enterprise Bargaining Agreements, EBA, if there is one. It's rare companies will have this form of leave in their policy. However, it is listed in a few EBAs. To give a very basic explanation of what an EBA is, it's basically an agreement an employer makes with their employees who are often assisted by a union. It sets out a number of things such as how much and what types of leave employees are entitled to and what their rates of pay will be. It is approved by Australia's Employment Tribunal and usually lasts three to five years. EBAs can vary wildly and some employees have managed to secure things such as menstrual leave, cultural leave to attend ceremonies like funerals or festivals, Mm. substitution of a public holiday, Many people like to work on Australia Day, which is basically the equivalent of Columbus Day, and request an alternative day off instead, and paid transition leave. An example of an employer who has this type of leave in their EBA is the government of Victoria, my state. Its employees are entitled to up to four weeks, 20 days paid leave for essential and necessary gender affirmation procedures, Wow! and up to 48 weeks of unpaid leave. 
I recommend any of your listeners in Australia who are considering or about to transition to look up and see if their work has an EBA and whether they are entitled to this form of leave. To find out if their workplace has an EBA, they can go to the Fair Work Commission website. As a unionist myself, I would also recommend joining your union as they are likely to be able to assist you if you received any pushback about taking this form of leave. They can also help out if you experience discrimination in the workplace on other protected grounds. Just to clarify, as I am a lawyer, a baby lawyer, I've only started this year, this is not to be considered legal advice, merely some information that might hopefully point any Australian trans listeners to something hopefully useful. A baby lawyer? Aww. Sammy, the baby lawyer. Okay. Don't you wish you had said I could do the accent? Instead, I made that little um, single for you. I also have a game recommendation that is sort of money related. The ABC. Oh, yeah, we got to play games. Yeah. The ABC, the Australian one, made a game to simulate what it is like to be an Amazon worker in one of their massive warehouses that might be fun slash mirror to the dystopia we live in for Mal to play. Here's mm. the link. Then he gives the link. So less about stocks and managing money and more about the lengths you have to go to for Amazon to give you money. Anyway, no thanks peeing. again for this podcast, comrade Sammy. Yo, it's, you know, what's interesting is like anytime somebody from elsewhere in the world writes in, I yeah. realize how bleak things are here in America. <laughs> you know, you know, it's like, they're like, oh, you know, you, you can, do you know that you might have access to like paid leave for like transitioning or like your gender? And it's like, uh, we don't even have paid leave for people to have babies. Like, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like we're like before with the the disability, why I know about disability policies is because like so many like pregnant people would call up and be like, uh, so I'm pregnant and um, my, you know, I need like disability to, in order to get like benefits to like leave my job to like take care of my baby for a couple of weeks. Like, exactly. And you can't, and you can't get it once you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. Like that's where we're at in America. I know. I know. <laughs> Like, you know, um, it's like we might not even want to tell your job while you're leaving. You're going to get top surgery and then like come back and be like, it was it was fine. Um, I, I just uh, I had a family reunion that took a week and a half. Um, don't ask any further questions because yeah. you can still fire us for being trans. Yep, like, yep, yep, yep. Like, that's where we're at. <laughs> you can fire us. <laughs> oh. Sammy, we didn't do the accent, but we did make you a jingle and yell. And I hope that was enough for you. No, but I'm I'm so I am so happy that there are that I'm so happy that you're advocating for that in Australia. And I just wish that like somebody would come fix us. Comrade Sammy, the Aussie baby lawyer. Comrade Sammy. Okay. So here is a really a doozy, y'all. Oh no. This is a doozy. What yeah. kind of doozy? Can you can you emotionally prepare me? What what flavor doozy? It's about detransitioning. Oh, 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 oh. Okay. Hi there, Gabby and Mal. Love the show. I recorded Yay. a voice memo attached about my financial personal experience having bottom surgery plus corrective surgery that ended in regret and lots of debt. But I've oh, also no. found a path forward without getting sucked into turfy regret rhetoric. The voicemail is long, 10 minutes, so feel free to cut it down or let me know if you'd like me to re-record, focus on one part of it. I listened to the voicemail and it's really good. We'll probably cut it down in the final edit, so that's what's, that's what's happening here, a heads up. Um, but I did listen to the whole thing. Also, I have a semi-anonymous YouTube account where I talk about issues around surgical regret, specifically from a trans-affirming perspective. TERFs shouldn't get to own regret and detransition narratives. I'm not sure if I want to link it to this voicemail if you end up airing it, but let me know if you're interested and I will consider sharing it. Thanks for all you do, Cass. 
So the voicemail was super interesting. Uh, but basically, Cass is saying that they got bottom surgery mm-hmm. and they ended up with a lot of complications. And mm. so they had to get a revision surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after all of that and all of that, you know, money and trauma and everything, they realized that they were actually like more non-binary than binary. And that sure. they, if they could go back in time, they probably wouldn't listen to this audio. Hey, Gabby. Hey, Mel. My name is Cass. Uh, I use they, them pronouns. I'm living on the East Coast of the U.S. I'm 33. I wanted to just share a bit about... Um, heeding your call about trans femme, trans women surgeries, about being someone who had a bottom surgery and had a kind of a mixed to negative outcome. I was fortunate in in lots of ways. I had surgery. um, I had a job. I had a degree. But I also was just paying tons of money. And I think the real impact of this was that I was having trouble building up my life as I was, you know, over time, I kind of shifted from a trans woman to a non-binary identity. Um, I don't know if I really needed to do this particular thing. Um, I think I could have waited and, you know, I'm not, don't feel horrible that I went through this. Um, I realized I was ace in the context and that was useful, but, you know, I could have thought more about this. And also, you know, it took me several years to really, I ended up having to actually leave my original career trajectory just to to make more money uh, where I could and also, you know, change some living situations. After, after a few years, I was able to consolidate all of my credit card debt with a, at a credit union, which I would very much recommend considering, but only when you're really at a stable point where you feel like you just, you're ready to make those payments and you aren't adding anything else. I literally dropped all those credit cards out of my wallet. I kind of, you know, been on that journey and that was, uh, I mean, all of this was four or five years ago, and I'm still paying off that debt. But, um, you know, I've built up my life back, and I've figured out non-binary identity, figured out sexuality stuff. Um, I have affection for this uh, sometimes stingy, sometimes difficult uh, part of me, but that nonetheless has gone on this journey with me. And, you know, regret is a scary concept. It was really hard to confront when I came out as non-binary that maybe I made the wrong decision. Maybe I moved in the wrong direction. But I think I realized that you know, as trans folks, we do what we have to to survive. We find ways forward. And uh, even if you feel like you make a decision and it isn't the right direction, like, you know, by acting and trying and, and trying to know yourself, um, you know, it's it's good. It's good to try. It's good to try in different directions. And, um, you know, my life has opened up a lot when I've been open to those hard feelings. So, yeah, I hope in that mix that, you know, practically, uh I'm much more pro waiting and pro making a pragmatic financial decision than an emotional one around transition. And also, I just want to share that, hey, even if you get into lots of debt and even if you have not the best outcome and you're not sure you should have gone down this path, like you can be okay and you can love trans people and you can find your non-binary identity and you can find people who love you and uh, your life won't be over. Um, But, you know, these are just things to consider. So. I wish all of your listeners love and strength on their journeys. Uh, you know, fuck turfs, uh, fuck insurance companies. And I'm glad you're out there uh, as queer folks helping us live sustainable lives that uh, are less allergic to money. <laughs> uh, also watch out for credit cards. Okay, bye. So they have a lot of like regrets around transition, but they do, they did end up being, you know, like non-binary. So they didn't like quote unquote detransition, but um, they just felt that they, if they could go back, they wouldn't r- rush into surgery like that. Right. I uh, I would be interested to like know more about like 
what you know made them feel that they had to you know move and sort of take these really rigid like um you know this is a new identity and i need to have x amount of surgeries and you know like i feel like detransition is really really interesting topic right because it does get co-opted and like weaponized against us by TERFs. But it is the reality of like what happens in the human experience sometimes is like sometimes people make decisions and they are like, that wasn't the right decision for me. doesn't necessarily mean that they're filled with regret or that like, you know, and, and like, I feel like with people who aren't trans with cis people, like you make decisions that you regret all the time. You know, it's just like this cis woman friends that have regretted getting breast implants. Right. So, so, and, and that's not nearly as like politicized or uh, surveilled as like trans identities. Um, and I don't know, I think, but it, but to me, it's interesting because like, I wonder, well, one, I, I don't know what's going on with this person, but I wonder one, if, if any of their like regret in terms of surgery has to do with like the trauma of having surgery complications and go wrong and revisions and being put through like surgical trauma. Um, I also wonder if we didn't have these, um, if we didn't push these ideas, like if it wasn't people like TERFs who were pushing these ideas that like you, if you're, you're not trans, you're not trans, like whatever, if people wouldn't feel like, like no one is trans, they wouldn't feel like they would have these like knee jerk not knee jerk. I feel like people wouldn't feel like they would have these rigid ideas of like, this is, this is the checklist of what you have to do to be trans. And if I don't do this, I'm not trans enough. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like it's sort of a self-fulfilling thing, right? Like if we gave people sort of like space to sort of like figure it out and be like, you know, maybe, you know, testosterone is right for you. Maybe it's not right for you. Maybe Mm -hmm. this is right for you. Maybe it's not right for you. Neither thing makes you more or less trans. Like, you know, if Mm -hmm. you feel that you're trans, you can't, you know, whatever, then like in order to like respect their identity, then like, I I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? I agree. I agree with everything you're saying. I agree with everything you're saying. I think, um, I also think it's really, thank you for writing this in Cass. I think this is a really important perspective that no, I don't think I've heard on this, you know, this show. And I don't think I've heard on any finance show that wasn't like specifically like fuck trans people. (laughs) Um, which is why I wanted to include it and play it. And uh, I also think that you're right, that we push trans people to look and be a certain way in order to be valid. And so that's why people rush into um, certain markers of transition because they are like, they want everyone around them to treat them with respect and kindness uh, and validation and affirmation, which people could just do. Yeah. Also, I feel like we want so like people thinking about gender, um, like just in American society, I feel like the inclination we people want it to be black and white. So, yeah. bad, Right. So it's yeah. like, but the reality hurts. to me, it's painful when it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it, you know, we we just like want to I don't know. So it's, we it's want almost the like safety and security and stability of thinking that we are filed away and we know ourselves. Exactly. And, and like the thing about it is that um, like it, we're in terms of gender, like we're all on our own little journeys. Right. And mm-hmm. so what somebody might regret at this point, maybe, th- maybe this person will feel different in a year. Maybe they'll True. feel different from that a year from that, you know, like when I 
first went on testosterone, I probably went on and off testosterone like several times during that period um, because like, oh, changes are happening too fast or, oh, and, you know, like whatever, um, get freaked out, go back on, whatever, whatever. Um, and that's not unusual. Like it's not unusual for somebody to go on hormones. I've known people I've known um, people on both sides of like the trans spectrum. Like I've known trans feminine people as well who have like gone on hormones, gone off hormones, been like, oh, that wasn't for me. I'm not trans, whatever. Later on, like it takes a while. Yeah. Yeah. So, and like each of those times that I went on and off testosterone, I didn't consider it to be detransitioning. You know what I mean? Like that was just like part of my process. And Mm -hmm. so, which I'm not saying that this person is not detransitioning. Like they definitely, if that's what, if that's how they feel about themselves and that's what they're doing, like absolutely respect that. I also know people who have detransitioned, like, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if they would put it in those terms, but like they were trans and now they don't identify that way. Um, so like, and, and like that also like is a personal identity that needs to be respected. Um, mm-hmm. but I do feel like from the external, like outside of the community, like it should be a community conversation. There shouldn't be people outside of the community being like, Oh, you yeah. went off your testosterone, so you are detransitioning, and you are a failed woman, or whatever the fuck. And that's why I really wanted to include Cass's story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to end on a lighter note. This is a one-star Apple review. Oh no! From listener two two nine nine, title screaming. Gabby, please stop screaming and screeching. <laughs> it hurts. We can hear you. I promise. Was no. that your mom? Did your mom leave that? I won't. I, in fact, won't stop screaming. You know why? Because listen to a different show then. I don't know what to tell you. This is my voice. This has always been my voice. It's only going to get deeper. And and I don't have have anything for you. This is how I talk. You know what? Why don't you try growing up in a chaotic, alcoholic home where if you didn't scream, no one would listen to you. This is, I'm a Jew. We talk over each other. I don't got, I, I, I got nothing for you. Perhaps you, think- you should examine why you feel the need to marginalize people's voices. How about that? How Whoa. about that? I have a question. What? Do, you, th- do you, they, you think that they mean the way you talk or do you think they literally mean those times when you get excited and go, because you do scream sometimes. <laughs> well, excuse me for being enthused. <laughs> well, excuse my beauty. whatever anyway i take feedback really well here on the show okay better than me if you want to submit a question or comment you can do so at gabby is bad with money at gmail.com you can also leave me a voice memo there you can do a voicemail at 844-474-4040 we are on discord instagram tiktok and patreon links to those will be in the description below please leave a five-star apple review and say that you love that i scream also, listen to the show the day it drops so we can get on the charts and spread the word. Mal Blum, what say you? I'm Mal Blum, M-A-L-B-L-U-M, um, everywhere in the world. And also, if you want to listen to my music, it's anywhere that you listen to music. My final thought for this episode is, please, sir, can I have some time off work to have a baby and transition, please? <laughs> and then the boss goes, No! And slaps and the boss you in says, the face. To have a water and do a water? <laughs> Who are you? How did you get a fob to get in here? Security, take away their fob. Okay, love you guys. Bye. Done. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 